Hello and welcome to today's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News, and recorded on Thursday, June the 3rd, 2021, here at Colin Chance House, Worcester. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor for this edition, and with me to read the articles is Moira Lowe. Our sound engineer is John Plush, and we're ably supported by members of the admin team, led by Carol Hartle. A warm welcome to all listeners, especially new ones. I hope everyone enjoys our offering. So many months of lockdown, and now we're back to normal, we hope. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers, including theatres ready for when they are all open, readers' letters, birthdays and thought for the week. Obituaries are still included, but following listeners' requests, they are nowadays placed in a different spot following the closing music. So if you wish to hear them, please stay tuned then. Don't forget that recordings are usually available on podcasts. At present, however, talking books are not available on memory sticks, but rather on CDs and tape. Also, do let us know your birthdays so that we can greet you specially when the time comes. This service is free to users, but if you would like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. We do like hearing from you, and a message can be left on our answer phone, Worcester 01905 767766, or add a note to your wallet. If there's a problem with any aspect of your receiving recordings, please use the answer phone on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. So our first item is birthdays, and we have one this time on the 8th of June, Terry Roberts. So happy birthday for the 8th of June, Terry. Have a good day. Now Moira will read the thought for the week. Lamentations three twenty-two to 24. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Thank you, Moira. And now those useful telephone numbers. Out of hours medical help, 6 to 8 p.m., 0300 NHS non-emergency, 111. Worcester Live, that's the Swan Theatre, Huntingdon Hall and the Henry Sandon Hall, Worcester 611427. Malvern Theatre, 01684-892-277. Worcester Hub for Council Matters, Worcester 765765 or 722-233. Crime Stoppers, 0800-555-111. And Samaritans, 116-123, a free phone number. Now for the headlines for the past week. Moira will start. Okay, my headline is from Friday, May the 28th. The day our life changed. The partner of a biker who had his leg amputated after a crash near Worcester said he has found it a devastating and life-changing event. Richard Davis was on his way to visit Claire Griffiths when the bike he was riding was involved in a crash with a white van, seriously injuring the 44-year-old. 
Miss Griffiths, 41, from Droitwich, has set up a fundraising page to get him a mobility scooter to give him some independence. She said it was an awful day, he was coming to see me. He has had to have his left leg amputated. He is bedridden. I'm hoping soon he will be up and about, but he only had the major operation on Tuesday. It is obviously life-changing. Everything will now change. She continued, We have been told we will have to wait four to six months for an artificial leg, which is a long time for someone not to be mobile and to get out. We are trying to fund a mobility scooter to up his spirit because he's very upset. He's devastated. But life has got to go on. It could have been a lot worse. When he went to the Worcestershire Royal, they said it was too severe for them to deal with, so he was sent to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. He's still there. We still haven't been given a date when he will be able to leave. Miss Griffith said she had since thanked the people who helped her partner, who lives in Callow End and is a father of one. Passers-by helped Mr Davis in the moments after the crash, which happened on a stretch of the Droitwich Road, Fernal Heath, at 12.15pm on Monday, May the 17th. And Miss Griffith said she wanted to thank people who had passed on their best wishes and already helped them raise more than £600. His motorbike was his only form of transport. He was learning to drive a manual car, Miss Griffith said. I have priced a scooter up and basically we need to raise another £2,000. We don't live together, so I'm also having to buy aids for my house to accommodate his needs, as he comes to mine at the weekend and during the day. Miss Griffith said Mr Davis had worked at Worcester Bosch, making boilers for the past 19 years, adding the firm was standing by him and staff there were now looking how they could help, including through a potential fundraiser. The fundraising page can be found at justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Richie D. Saturday, May the 29th. Caught up in knife search. A retail worker said he feared he would be shot after he claimed police officers wrongly believed he might have a knife in Worcester City Centre. The man, who wished to remain anonymous, said police officers pointed a gun and a taser at him before establishing he was not the person they were looking for. Police had received a report about a group of people being threatened by another group with what was believed to be a knife. Two other men have been arrested and remain in custody. The worker had finished working at a shop in the city centre on Thursday when he said he was apprehended by police at gunpoint. We got out of work just before 6.30pm, he said. After not even a minute of walking down High Street towards the Elgar statue, I saw two police cars drive around the corner. I just thought they were going to drive past, but they got out and the first officer I saw had a gun, followed by another with a taser. He continued, There were others there and they were just shouting for me to get on the floor and put your hands behind your back. I thought it was a joke at first, and then I thought, is this really happening? I was lying on the floor, and they were just asking me questions like, where have you been? What are you doing? And have you got the knife? I have a major panic disorder, so I was trying my hardest not to panic, but I couldn't help it. The man said he was eventually brought to his feet by officers. Most of the conversation was on the floor, he said. They stood me up and they searched me and found nothing but my phone. That's all I had. They had received information that the person they were looking for was someone else. I think my work supervisor talked to the police, which helped me a bit. Apparently, the person they were looking for was tall and dressed in black, which is our work uniform. They were with a girl and I was walking with a girl after finishing work. He continued, I don't know anything about the police procedures, so when it happened, I thought I was either going to be tasered or shot. It was scary. 
I mentioned to them that I had really bad anxiety and a panic disorder, but they didn't make me feel calm and I still feel a bit shaken up. I haven't eaten since. There was a heavy police presence in the city centre following the incident. One witness said people were fleeing as armed police pointed guns at a man lying on the floor. Lauren Reed was walking down High Street when she saw police apprehend the man. She said, I heard sirens and saw police cars and undercover police cars fly down the middle of town. Police with dogs as well. Suddenly they got a hold of a man who was on the floor and were pointing guns at him and next minute more police cars came. A spokeswoman for West Mercia Police said, Officers received a report yesterday, Thursday, at 5.55pm in relation to a group of people being threatened by another group with what was believed to be a knife in Key Street in Worcester. No one has been seriously injured. Two men have been arrested and remain in custody. She continued, While officers dealt with the incident, there was an increased police presence in the area. Our investigation continues, however, but it is not believed there is any wider threat. Okay, Monday, May the 31st headline. Bill non-payers are ruining businesses. The owner of a Worcester restaurant has said that a group of five, who he alleges enjoyed a meal and drinks before walking out without paying, help ruin businesses like theirs. David Liu, the owner of Singapore Restaurant, says they have reported the group to the police for not paying for their meals and drinks, which came to a total of £91. The 44-year-old claims the group also paid little respect to the coronavirus rules while having their meal at the Friar Street venue, even leaving the toilet door open when they went in. He said, We took their booking in the afternoon and on the phone explained the coronavirus rules and when last orders was. There were five adults with a child and when they arrived at 9.30pm, none of them were wearing masks. We had to remind them too and to check in on the NHS app. They didn't check in. Three then wore a mask, but one covered their mouth with a piece of paper. It went from there. He said after sitting them at a table, they ordered main courses and a round of drinks. They went one by one to the toilet, didn't wear a mask, he said. The awkward thing was, when you go to the toilet, you would shut the door. Two of them didn't shut the door. They only went for a one-course meal. They didn't have any starters. We supplied them the food and they ordered a second round of drinks. We checked with them if their food was okay. They said yes. We went round every table to tell everyone the kitchen would be closing at 10.30pm and it would be last orders for food and the bar would be closing for drinks. At 10.50pm, they had nearly finished the meal, but a chap was then asking me for another round of drinks. I reminded him last orders had gone. We can't serve you anymore. Everyone has to leave at 11pm. The chap then said, no, I'm not happy with that. If you're not serving me another round of drinks, I refuse to pay. Then they left. It's very unfair, very upsetting, he said. The pandemic has been a very bad thing to independent traders like us. We struggle for every penny to cover the costs of the operation, the rent, utilities, everything. He said that the incident had been reported to the police and they were waiting a response. Myself, my staff are all working together to open this restaurant, having risked our lives throughout the pandemic to make money to live. And there are people coming in, enjoying the food and the drinks and not paying not following the COVID rules, not even bothering to shut the toilet door. I can afford the £90, but what if it was someone starting out a new business they were ripping off? These are the type of customers that ruin small independent business, he added. Now, Tuesday, June the 1st. COVID survivor, please get jab. A man who was almost put into an induced coma after he contracted COVID-19, has urged people to trust the science and get the coronavirus vaccine. 
Mike Carroll spoke after Medicines Minister Nadim Zahawi said compulsory vaccines for NHF staff were, was being considered by the government to help stop the virus spreading in hospitals. Last December, Mike Carroll, 59, was close to being put in a coma after his oxygen levels dropped dangerously low while he was in the intensive care unit at Worcestershire Royal Hospital. Almost six months on, and Mike is on the road to recovery, although he's still experiencing some lingering symptoms, but says the vaccination rollout will be key in allowing NHS services to return to normal. You have to trust the science and be positive that the overall benefits of the vaccine outweigh the few instances where a reaction is not as hoped, said Mike. The aim is to get society back to functioning as near to normal as possible, whilst having a lower death toll and a return to normal NHS services, which allows other illness and ailments to be treated as before the pandemic began. There's no doubt that the vaccine programme has been a success and I know there are, can be some side effects, but there are definitely more positives than negatives to people having it. Mike, a charity fundraiser who lives with his partner Jackie near Worcester City Centre, was put onto a continuous positive airway pressure machine, CPAP, a type of non-invasive ventilation, after becoming ill with the virus in December. He was given a blood tra plasma transfusion from the blood of someone who had recovered from COVID-19, which has antibodies to the virus that causes the infection. He says this was the turning point. After his condition improved, Mike was able to leave the ICU and he's now back at work, although is dealing with what he believes to be a mild form of long COVID. He said... Fortunately, things have been much improved for me. I did my antibody test just over a week ago and I've got the right type of antibodies. It doesn't mean I can't catch it or still pass it on, but it's a good sign that if I did get it again, then I wouldn't be severely infected. I did a survey and some of the things on the survey would suggest I have got a mild form of long COVID. I've suffered a bit with irritable eyes, aching muscles, fatigue and a bit of brain fog. But fortunately, nothing that is actually stopping me from functioning. The brain fog is just really struggling to remember basic stuff that you would normally just remember instantly. And that can be a bit frustrating. I do also get the occasional shortage of breath as well, but doesn't stop me from functioning and it's manageable. Mike says he is also waiting for test results to see if there is any long-term damage to his lungs, but he's hopeful there is no major damage. I'm lucky to have got through it, and I'm grateful, he said. I've had telephone appointments, and I'm on a lifetime support system, which I have access to if needed. OK, so this is Wednesday, June 2nd's headline. Burn admits river killing. A man has admitted killing Worcester mother Christina Rowe. Charles Byrne of Waterworks Road, Worcester, admitted manslaughter when he appeared on video link at Warwick Crown Court. The 24-year-old, who appeared from a hospital wearing a white top and with bushy hair, spoke to confirm his name and to confirm he could hear proceedings. The judge adjourned the hearing for a trial while Byrne's mental state is assessed. When the charge that he murdered Miss Rowe between February the 9th and 10th was put to Byrne, he replied, I plead not guilty. Guilty to manslaughter. Byrne, whose family watched on from the public gallery of court too, pleaded not guilty to the attempted murder of another person between the same dates. That person cannot be identified for legal reasons. The body of 28-year-old Miss Rowe, who lived at Cheviot Close in Tolodyne, was found in the River Severn on February the 10th, which led West Mercia Police to close Worcester Diglis footbridge. At the time, tributes were left for Miss Rowe, including flowers, candles and messages in Tolodyne Road. 
Gurdy Garsha QC, defending, told Judge James Burbridge, Your Honour will have seen a report. In that report, a doctor concludes that this defendant is fit to enter pleas and to stand trial. The judge replied yes to this request. Discussions during the hearing moved on to carrying out an investigation into Byrne's mental state and the setting of stage dates when the prosecution will reveal more details of its case to the defence. Judge Burbridge said the case would have to be adjourned for Byrne's trial of counts two and three, murder and attempted murder, which the judge said would be tried in front of the presiding judge of the circuit, Mr Justice Pepperell, with a provisional date set for November the 29th. The judge told Byrne, at the moment I'm adjourning your case for trial. There will be an investigation so far as your mental state from the prosecution, instructing an expert who will come to see you to write a report. At the moment, this case will be set down in the Crown Court of Worcester for November the 29th. Other matters I have raised to ensure the matter can proceed to that date. The judge concluded the 15-minute hearing by telling Byrne he would be remanded in custody, adding he knew he had been transferred by the Home Office to a hospital. And finally, Thursday, June the 3rd, shop owners call for help. The owners of a Worcester shopping arcade dogged by closures have been urged to do more to breathe life back into it. Reindeer Court in the city centre has many disused units marked as for sale or let. Signs in the windows show the proprietors of Worcester Guitar Centre have decided to shift towards music tuition only, while the little piano shop and Rock Follies Vintage have also shut. Iarpetus, a business that sells art and crafted goods, has left, and fashion outlet Fatlip has moved to a unit on High Street, with a planning application submitted to turn its old unit into a cafe. Diva Hair and Beauty is also closed. Paula Farrington, owner of lingerie shop Embrace, which has been in reindeer court for eight years, said her business had not been as hard hit as others by the dropping footfall that the closures have contributed to. But she said a mix of underinvestment, COVID-related problems and a lack of direct contact with the owners of the arcade had created a perfect storm. We have a lot of regular customers now and we are a destination that people know about, so in that respect it has not been a problem for us, she said. In terms of attracting new custom, the fact we don't get the footfall we should have is always going to be an issue. It's a concern. The fewer business that, that there are here, the fewer people are going to come into Reindeer Court as a whole. There are a number of people who simply retired, others come to the end of their leases and decided not to renew, and there are others whose businesses did not lend themselves to operating in a post-COVID environment. The reasons have been varied, but maybe COVID accelerated people's decision-making. Over the years we have been here, we have had different landlords and none have been prepared to spend money on reindeer court, particularly with regard to advertising and upkeep. It has always been difficult to deal with the landlords and I think they have a responsibility to do something about it, to put us on the map, particularly now, and they're not doing that. Reindeer Court, accessed via the Shambles, Mealcheapen Street and New Street, is managed by Worcester-based property managers Fisher German. We were referred to the relevant people responsible for Reindeer Court, but they were not available for comment as we went to press. I'm going to ask Moira now to read a sports article. OK, so the sports article is netball. Seven Stars head coach Melissa Bessel has said emphasis is not on the score but a top performance as they prepare to face Vitality Netball Super League leaders at Team Bath this weekend. It's a double-header weekend for Stars who play Manchester Thunder on Saturday afternoon after facing Bath on Friday evening. 
Bath have won 15 of their 16 matches in the 2021 campaign so far and have already sealed their semi-final place. Thunder sit third with 13 wins in their 16 and a win would mean they would be a step closer to a playoff spot. Bethel admits it will be a big challenge for Stars. This coming doubleheader weekend is very important for us as we must put out a top performance, she said. It's Team Bath who are sitting at the top of the table, so we know it's going to be a big game. We must not focus on the score but on a top performance and our challenge is to keep the top of the table leaders to a minimum score deficit. It is about us and our performance. Team Bath and Thunder are both quality sides and well respected and we know that both these games are going to be big challenges. They have strengths throughout the court in all positions, so we must be focused and our connections and combinations must be tight, strong and as one. Stars will be looking to bounce back after their loss against Leeds Rhinos on May the 16th and have had an extra week to prepare for this weekend's matches. We've been focusing on us and doing the basics hard, well and as a team, said Bessel. I'm really proud of how the players have come out this week and brought the intensity to training. It's been a very tough and strange season for us all, but they are a very strong bunch and are still pushing for more. We did not perform against Rhinos, so we have to come out hard and strong. We have all the motivation we need. We know our last performance was not our best, and we know we are better than that, and what we are capable of, and we intend to prove this to ourselves. The match against Bath will be one of the first to be held with a thousand fans in attendance, something Bessel welcomed. It's going to be grand to actually see spectators in the audience again, she added. We're really excited to see them back. It's a huge deal for the players, teams and the franchises, and more importantly for the sport in general. And now readers' letters. A couple read by me and a couple from Moira. My first one is from Neil Lawrenson of the Worcester Green Party. I regularly receive They Work For You updates, which tell me how MP for Worcester has voted in Parliament. Without fail, they make for depressing reading. For example, on May the 26th, Robin Walker voted against four amendments to the Environment Bill. These were to prepare a tree strategy for England to conserve and enhance biodiversity, to ban fracking, to ban burning of peat in upland areas. More than 300 councils in the UK have declared a climate emergency. In November, the UK will host the UN Climate Change Conference. And yet, our MP has consistently voted against measures that would preserve and enhance our environment. This isn't about party politics. This is about ensuring we have a world in which we can all be healthy and happy. And the second letter is from Sasha Kamili of the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA. Dogs die in hot cars. Dear Editor, as temperatures rise, it's crucial that people know never to leave a dog in a hot car, even for a few minutes, and that they look out for dogs who are in this situation. Soaring temperatures can cause animals heat stress and other physical harm that can be permanent or even fatal. On a 26 degrees Celsius day, the temperature inside a shaded car is 32 degrees. Dogs can cool themselves only by panting and by sweating through their paw pads. Even in the shade, dogs left in parked cars can quickly succumb to heat stroke and incur brain damage or die as a result. If you find a distressed dog in a car, Take down the car's details, try to locate the owner, call local authorities. If they are unresponsive and the dog's life appears to be in imminent danger, find a witness who will back your assessment of the situation, take steps to remove the suffering animal and then wait for authorities to arrive. 
A dog showing any symptoms of heat stroke, such as restlessness, heavy panting, vomiting, lethargy or lack of coordination, should be taken to a shady spot immediately. Stabilise the dog's temperature by providing water and applying a cool towel to the animal's head and chest or immersing the dog in tepid, not cold water. Then take the animal to a vet. Okay, my letter is from Eleanor Griffin of Worcester. Dear Editor, I note that Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department are undertaking refurbishment works to Diglish Bridge in Worcester. Only weeks after concerns towards the poor condition of the bridge from a member of the public were seemingly dismissed by this department. Combine this with Sabrina Bridge requiring a complete rebuild after less than 30 years... Council road schemes which either take a very long time to complete, require amending after shortcomings have been identified, make matters worse for road users or add little or no benefit to what went before, and roadworks which are haphazardly planned, which adds to Worcester's already notorious congestion problems, and it's little wonder why this department receives so much criticism. And what further heightens this negative perception towards the Highways Department is their apparent lack of accountability to the public. Even various calls for a public meeting with highway staff simply falls on deaf ears. It's as if the public are inconsequential and a nuisance, but what can be done about it? And now this is a, a comment. The Worcestershire Health and Social Care Awards were certainly an emotional watch. It was fantastic to hear the stories of our inspiring care heroes. Although we clapped for the care heroes and key workers on our doorsteps last year during the first lockdown, this was a chance to properly say thank you and truly recognise them. Our overall winner, Zoe Rira, has a story that captures everything about the sacrifices and the hard work the care heroes do, often unseen each and every day. Zoe selflessly left her husband and three children at home to move into the Worcester-based Juniper House residential care home to care for the residents when the Prime Minister announced the first lockdown in March 2020. Giving her our award is a fantastic way to say thank you. There will, of course, have been thousands of similar stories across the, the county, including in all regions. Thank you, Moira. Now, a break from current news and one of the very fine Memory Lane series compiled by Michael Grundy. This one is Dead End, the railway that went nowhere. Today we glimpse the earliest days of steam engine travel in this area and also learn the sorry tale of the Worcestershire railway line which went to... Nowhere. In the few decades after the Stevenson rocket days of the 1820s, people held the puffing steam monsters in great awe and had even greater respect for the brave men who drove them. Worcester historian Bill Gwilliam tells me the engine drivers of those pioneering days were looked on as courageous elite almost as we think of astronauts today. Not for them, the overalls of later years. Their uniforms were more flamboyant outfits of white corduroy. In a, a historic photograph from 1861, which is reproduced in the article, we see the most famous Worcestershire area engine driver of those times, sporting that special status symbol garb. Hellfire Jack Richards is seen astride the front of the engine Gypsy Lass outside Great Malvern Station. Clearly from his nickname, he was something of a daredevil driver, although it seems the evil drink eventually got the better of him and saw his demotion to a linesman. But ironically, it was out on the tracks on foot that Hellfire Jack earned a place for bravery in the annals of local railway history, says Bill Gwilliam. Jack was out working on the line one day in the 1880s 
when the nearby rail bridge over the River Team at Bransford collapsed as a crowded train approached it. It is said he clambered across the only remaining beam above the foaming torrent to stop the oncoming engine. It was certainly an act that prevented a major disaster, says Mr Gwilliam. Not so lucky, however, were two other early steam engineers, 28 years old Thomas Scaife and 32-year-old Joseph Rutherford, victims of Worcestershire's first railway accident. It happened in November 1840 near Bromsgrove as they were driving an engine called Surprise, which, alas, is what they got, explains Mr Gwilliam. As always, they had to battle to hold down the valve to build up a head of steam for the climb up the lickies, but unfortunately they held on too long. The engine boiler exploded, killing both. Their eye-catching gravestones stand side by side in Bromsgrove Churchyard. That of Thomas Scaife has the following lines, quotes, composed by an unknown friend as a memento to the worthiness of the deceased. And here are the lines. My engine now is cold and still. No water does my boiler fill. My coke affords its flame no more. My days of usefulness are o'er. My wheels deny their noted speed. No more my guiding hands they need. The horrific Tay Bridge disaster and its death toll made railway builders nationwide very jittery, so much so that work was halted in 1859 on the construction of Worcester's rail bridge over the Severn. Mr William says government inspectors noticed what they feared could be a de defect in a section of cast iron arched spans. While the floor was being repaired, an engine and carriages had to be carted across the road bridge and up to Hennick to run on the line to and from Malvern. It was around this time too that work began on the ill-fated Butts Spur line. An offshoot was built from the main railway viaduct to take one track from Fourgate Street down to the southern end of Pitchcroft and then on a sweep to the riverside. It went under the railway bridge, along North Parade, through the wide side arch in the old Worcester Road Bridge, above right, and then along South Quay. The aim had always been that it should run to Diglis in the hope that big cargo ships would come up the Severn and there transfer their goods onto trains for the Midlands and other parts of the country. This transport interchange could have done much to boost Worcester's prosperity, but it was not to be. At the last moment, the Dean and Chapter stepped in and refused permission for the line to run along the riverside in front of the cathedral. Thus it became the railway line to nowhere, ending abruptly at the former Stallard's distillery below what is now the Technical College and now known as the heart of Worcestershire College. It was used to serve some waterfront industries for a few years, but the track from North Quay southwards was taken up when the road bridge was reconstructed in 1932. The rest of the track northwards along the riverside to a point near the grandstand was not removed until 1957. And now we'll start some of the articles. Moira, will you start us, please? Okay, so my story is about a baby being born. West Midland Safari Park has announced the arrival of a new baby white rhino, weighing in at over 11 stone. Third time mum, Elsa, gave birth to the calf during the early hours of May the 24th, following a pregnancy of 16 months. The newborn is yet to be named and the park is asking the public to make the final decision from a short list of names supplied by their keepers, which will take place next week. 
The name will begin with J, as all names of babies born at the park in 2021 will begin with this letter. Head of Wildlife Angela Potter said, We are absolutely delighted to welcome a new white rhino calf. He's a very strong boy and has been growing in confidence, settling in well since his birth last week. This is Elsa's third time as a mother and as expected, she's been wonderful. We're very proud of her. With each rhino birth we have here at the park, it's a fantastic achievement for the European Endangered Species Programme. All five species of rhino are decreasing in numbers and we hope that this birth can continue in helping to bring more attention to the plight of rhino species in the wild. The next article is nowhere near as positive as anything we've heard, but I really think we ought to hear it. Watch out for these city scams. Coronavirus has given fraudsters more opportunities than ever to cheat customers out of their money. From turning up at people's doors and charging money for fake vaccines to sending text messages claiming to be from the NHS, COVID really has brought out the worst in some people. To help keep you and your family safe, here are four scams we know to have been operating in and around Worcester for you to be aware of. One, the BT scam. A Worcester man wrote a social media post warning he had nearly been caught out by the scam as it had appeared legitimate. Writing in the Warnden Village's community group, Rob Allen said... I was nearly caught by a phone scam, so I thought I'd write up how it works so you can learn from my mistakes. To confirm he was legit, he said he was emailing me a PIN number, which I received. This email came from BT's mail service, so I gave it to him and he confirmed my account number and amount of my last bill to me. He then talked about the security of BT Web Project and BT Parent Controls. Mr Allen said he became suspicious when he was asked to download from any desk software that allows someone to take over the computer, so hung up. Mr Allen said after contacting BT he discovered it had been a genuine PIN email but using a PIN number for a lost password reset request. So the scammer used that to log into my account and gave me the correct account number and amount of my last bill because he was logged into my account, he said. It's easy to go with the flow on a call when the other end says you'll get a pin from me and then you get a totally legitimate one. Moral of the story, if they call you, hang up and call them back on the number from the website. Second, the Amazon scam. Amazon warned residents about a new scam after county people were targeted. Residents from Droitwich were among those whose scammers have tried to fleece. One resident wrote a call was made from someone claiming to be from the global firm to an 81-year-old woman with an attempt to con her into giving the card, her card details. The person said the woman didn't even use Amazon, so did not give any details, adding the call had been from a mobile number when they checked. An Amazon spokesman said it had been made aware of similar calls being made and was working with action fraud in cracking down on the scam. The spokesman added, If a customer has concerns or receives a call they believe is not from Amazon, they can check amazon.co.uk help pages for guidance. 3. Courier Fraud Police issued this warning after someone impersonating a police officer scammed an elderly woman out of £7,500 in Worcester. Detective Inspector Emma Wright from West Mercia Police said, Courier fraud is an especially cruel type of fraud that sees vulnerable people preyed on by, by criminals. Victims are telephoned by a person pretending to be a police officer. 
The bogus police officer explains that the victim's bank accounts are under threat from fraudsters. He or she convinces the victim to participate in a fictitious undercover police operation to catch the fraudsters and safeguard their funds. They are told not to inform anyone, including their bank, as bank staff are equally under suspicion. Often the bogus police officer discloses private financial information about the victim, which is used to encourage the victim to trust them. The people are operating as part of organised crime gangs. And lastly, the Royal Mail scam. Residents from Droitwich have been amongst those targeted in a new Royal Mail scam in which fraudsters pretend the Royal Mail was not able to deliver the item and claims the parcel was returned to their depot, adding, you need to reschedule your package delivery. The email provides a reschedule now link but when clicked on, those targeted are prompted to provide bank details to pay a re-delivery fee for an amount often up to £4. The scam has been seen elsewhere in the country and police nationally were told in an alert to spread the message. This is a classic example of how easily the scammers can take us off guard and persuade us to provide personal information that can have dramatic consequences. OK, new apartments are set to be built above a former city centre restaurant. The plans would see the upper floors above the former Café Rouge restaurant in Friar Street in Worcester, which closed last year, converted into three flats and a six-room house of multiple occupation. The ground floor and part of the first floor space in the Grade 2 listed building would remain for commercial use and could be replaced with a new shop, restaurant or café. The studio flats would measure between 30 and 33 square metres each, with the two multiple occupation buildings each measuring 74 and 78 square metres. The future of the French bistro chain was cast into doubt last July following the news that Casual Dining Group, which owned the likes of Bella Italia and Café Rouge, confirmed it had hired administrators. The group eventually closed 91 restaurants across the country, causing the loss of nearly 2,000 jobs. Later that month, it was bought in a rescue deal by former TGI Friday owner, which saw the restaurant group rebranded as The Big Table. The closure of Café Rouge means it joined several other national chains leaving the city during Covid-19, including Pret-a-Manger, which has already closed its high street store and looks set to be replaced by a larger Greggs. Gourmet Burger Kitchen also closed its branch in the city's Crowngate shopping centre last year. A statement included with the application said, The proposed development makes use of the existing internal layout with minimal structural alterations. Otherwise, the external appearance and character of the building will remain unchanged. The proposed design creates mixed-use repurposing of the empty commercial premises, bringing 24-hour commercial and residential life to the historic conservation area, as well as safeguarding the heritage asset for the future. The proposal keeps commercial use on part of the ground and first floor and residential use on the rear and upper floors. My next article is Covid cases fall in city. The number of coronavirus cases recorded in the city fell by 16% in the last week, the latest figures show. And this article was from June the 2nd. Public Health England said a total of 41 new cases were recorded in Worcester in the week up to May the 27th, falling by 16% compared to the previous week. The infection rate in Worcester is now 40.5 cases per 100,000 people. Almost half of the cases were recorded in the King George's Field area of the city, which covers WR3 and WR4 postcodes, 
including parts of Aswood Road, Tolladyne Road, Langdale Drive, Brickfields Road and Blackpole Road. As well, many as 19 cases were recorded, increasing from 13 in the previous week, which means the infection rate in the area is now 211.3 cases per 100,000 people. The city's first pop-up vaccine clinic was held at King George V Community Hub off Brickfields Road last week, with some residents aged 32 and over invited for their first jab. On Tuesday, June the 1st, Downing Street repeated Prime Minister Boris Johnson's statement from last week, which indicated that nothing in the current data showed that the ending of lockdown on June the 21st would have to be delayed because of the spread of the Indian variant. Public Health England said fewer than five cases of the B1617.2 mutation otherwise known as the Indian variant, were found in Worcester in the week up to May the 27th. Almost half of the county's adults have now received two doses of a Covid vaccine, the latest figures show. NHS England said 243,704 people in Worcestershire had received two vaccines, roughly 47% of the county's adult population, in the period up to May the 23rd. Despite the falling cases in Worcester, the number of Covid cases across the county has continued to rise, increasing by 11% compared to the week before. A total of 112 cases were recorded in Worcestershire in the week up to May the 27th, rising from 101 cases in the previous week. Twelve cases were recorded in Malvern Hills in the same week, a rise of 20% compared to the previous week, and 17 cases recorded in Witchaven. Figures show the number of cases in Witchaven increased by 41% compared to the previous week. A total of 17 cases were recorded in Redditch, 10 cases in Bromsgrove and 15 cases in Wire Forest during the same week. The latest NHS figures available show six people were in hospital in Worcestershire with coronavirus on May the 25th, including one person on a ventilator. Worcester has one of the lowest levels of renewable energy for the region new research has found. With World Environment Day coming up on June the 4th, heating expert Stellrad has analysed data from the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy to reveal which regions in the UK contain the most renewable energy sites, including solar panels, wind farms and other energy sources. <clears throat> According to its research, Worcester is fourth from the bottom, only beating Redditch, Tamworth and North Warwickshire in the West Midlands category. Elsewhere in the, in the county, however, the picture is much better. Morven Hills is higher up on the list, with 2,080 renewable energy sites, compared to Worcester's 1,124. In tackling climate change, Morven Hills District Council plans to spend £800,000 on improving the energy efficiency of buildings around the district. A grant of £167,000 has been secured from the government's public sector, which will help improve the energy efficiency of Morven theatres. Some £550,000 has also been pledged to the council from phase two of the local delivery scheme, which is part of the government's Green Homes grant. The council has already spent £100,000 received from phase one of the local delivery scheme, installing external wall insula insulation on 10 properties which cannot benefit from cavity wall insulation. County's bounty for Covid hit India. Worcestershire Freemasons has sent £50,000 worth of aid to help those in severe poverty in Covid hit India. The grant is expected to provide 1,700 emergency food parcels for some of the most vulnerable families whose livelihoods have been affected during the pandemic. 
Health services across India have been overwhelmed by the latest wave of coronavirus and Freemasonry through the United Grand Lodge of England and Masonic, Masonic Charitable Foundation is responding with Plan International to support them by providing essential items and training. Hospitals across the country are reporting record-breaking daily case numbers with oxygen for ventilators running scarce. A deadly transmission rate means disaster is unfolding for children, families and communities. In early May, there were more than 414,000 new confirmed cases, as well as over 3,800 deaths, and the country's death toll is still dramatically climbing. Up to the start of last month, India's daily COVID-19 death toll accounted for half the total reported cases in the world, according to the World Health Organization. Five states account for over half of India's COVID-19 cases. Maharashtra, Kerala, Tamil Nadu and Andhra Pradesh. And deaths have been concentrated in urban areas, especially Delhi, Uttar Pradesh, Karnataka and Punjab. Millions of families have already exhausted their savings during a five-month lockdown across the country. Livelihoods and jobs have been lost. Families all over India are struggling to afford necessities like food and hygiene materials needed to stay safe. The collapse of savings, coupled with food shortages, mean thousands and thousands of children, especially girls, are going hungry. Worcestershire Freemasons contributed to the grant from the Masonic Charitable Foundation. Rose Caldwell, Chief Executive of Plan International UK, said, We're very grateful for this generous grant, which will allow Plan International to reach families and young children in those parts of India hardest hit by the virus. It's critical that we act now to provide this support to those most at risk. Robert Vaughan, Head of Worcestershire Freemasons, said... I am very pleased we've been able to help Plan International with their relief effort in India. This is a desperate situation and Plan International and the other organisations responding on the ground need all the help and support we can offer. A ban on street drinking in the city centre will be extended for a further three years after plans were backed by councillors. The Public Space Protection Order, which is PSPO, bans the drinking of alcohol throughout the city centre and several other parts of Worcester and forces people to hand over any drink if caught. The PSPO applies to the whole of Worcester city centre plus additional areas at Cranham Drive and Windermere Drive in Warnden, King George V playing fields, an area around Rose Avenue in Tolodyne and the Blackpool Industrial Estate. Anyone found in breach of the rules would be guilty of a criminal offence and could receive a fixed penalty notice of up to £70 or more if prosecuted via a magistrate's court a maximum fine of £1,000. Worcester City Council's Communities Committee approved the continuation of the order at a meeting on Wednesday. Councillor Jabariya said there was a cause and link between drinking alcohol and violence against women and anything to prevent that was very welcome. Councillor Bill Amos said the order improved the city and its reputation and supported its continuation. The order came into force in 2018 and is due to expire in three months. West Mercia Police said there had been 936 incidents of alcohol-related antisocial behaviour in the city centre between August 2017 and March 2021. The number of incidents dropped by a quarter in the first year of the order. The council carried out a public consultation on the extension proposals in March with 165 replies. More than three quarters of respondents were aware of the order and 109 of those people recognised the signs used to advertise the areas covered by the PSPO. 
70% of people said they agreed alcohol-related antisocial behaviour was an issue and more than 60% of people said they reported to police if they saw it. 30% of people said they would not report alcohol-related antisocial behaviour at all if they saw it, while half of the respondents said the current order had been effective or somewhat effective. Just under two-thirds of people said the current area covered by the order was appropriate, while a quarter of people said it needed to be extended further. Well, now we've reached the end of this recorded edition. Thank you to Moira and to John for reading and recording and to Carol Hartle for leading the vital admin provision. We hope you've enjoyed listening and that you'll come back for more next time. So best wishes from me, Evelyn, and from all of the team. Goodbye. Goodbye. And now the obituaries. Donald Ball, sadly passed away May the 21st, 2021, aged 89 years. No flowers by request. Joanne Elizabeth Cole, passed away suddenly on May the 8th, 2021, aged 42 years. A private family funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium in due course. Family flowers only, donations to Winston's Wish. Kudosheva Anets, Sevdalina Atanasova, passed away at St Richard's Hospice on 22nd of May 2021, aged 43 years. Funeral service at Kemsey Church, Tuesday the 8th of June at 3.15pm. Sadly, seating in church is by invitation only, but please feel free to gather outside the church. No flowers by request. Catherine Wendy Louise Smith from Juniper House St John's, formerly from Bath Road and Grayling Close St Peter's, passed away peacefully at the home on Sunday the 23rd of May, aged 75, following a three-year battle with dementia. Funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Friday the 11th of June, 2021, at 2pm. Family flowers only, please. Andrew Reed Douglas sadly passed away 13th of May 2021, aged 72 years. Funeral service at Wire Forest Crematorium, Wednesday the 9th of June at 10.30am. Invited family and friends due to COVID restrictions. No flowers by request, please. And James Lawrence Wilde. Mr James Lawrence Wilde, known affectionately as Laurie, died peacefully on the 8th of May 2021 at the Royal Hospital in Bath. Following a private cremation, there will be a memorial service, Holy Trinity Church, Cold Ashton, on the 2nd of July by invitation. Daphne Hall sadly passed away at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on May the 15th, 2021, aged 81 years. No details of funeral given. Charles Joseph, or Charlie Doherty, formerly of Windermere Drive, passed away peacefully at the QE Hospital, Birmingham, on May the 18th, 2021, aged 87. The funeral service to be held at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, June the 7th, 2021 at 2.30pm. Smart casual dress, please. Hazel Ruth Maund passed away peacefully at Perry Manor Care Home on Friday the 14th of May 2021, aged 83 years. Funeral service shall take place on Monday the 14th of June at Worcester Crematorium at 11.30am. Due to current restrictions, only invited family and friends to attend. Margaret House, formerly Carey, nay Kettle, 
passed away peacefully in the care of Coventry Hospital on 17th of May 2021, aged 81 years. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Monday the 7th of June at 10am, followed by interment. The family send their apologies, but due to restrictions on the number of mourners allowed, attendance at the service will be by invite only. And Sydney Thomas, Tom Pritchard, passed away peacefully at home on 23rd of May 2021, aged 83 years. A committal service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 7th of June at 11.30am, followed by a service of thanksgiving at St Andrew's Church, Ombersley at 12.30pm. Invited family and friends due to Covid restrictions. <laughs> 